And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Hey everybody, thanks for coming. It's Civilized Barking. It's Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd. Counting down, uh, we are almost at 10 days to the Browns. Much anticipated. Um, Highly exciting. I don't know highly important. It might be. Um, You never know in this league. Uh, The opener at Kansas City. Uh, Jason mercifully, um, exhaustingly, but, you know, with, with a lot of optimism and a lot of excitement and and the hype is real, right? Um, the Browns move on from the preseason. Uh, what do you ask for in the preseason? Well, that it moves fast, that you don't get guys hurt, right? That you look like an organized operation. The Browns did all of those things. The Browns are all of those things, right? And, um, you know, I, I don't know that we have a lot or a little to talk about today. The, uh, the roster cuts didn't bring much in the way of intrigue. Um, you know, I, I just think, this is a good organization. It's an exciting time to be a fan. It's an exciting time to be covering the team. And, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 wins, um, having a chance in KC, being a real contender to beat KC five months from now. You know, I think all those things are in play, right? And and I, and I don't want to commit to anything. I don't want to crown certainly anything. But, you know, I, I feel like the Browns have opened their window. I feel like the Browns have arrived, and I won't be surprised – um, you know, if they do reach at least some of these high goals. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. And, you know, I've done a couple radio spots and podcasts and written things. And, you know, t- I, I can't remember in my lifetime a, a deeper, more well-balanced offensive Browns team than what I believe we're going to see this year. They have depth at every position on the offensive side of the ball. They can withstand an injury at every position. It doesn't mean you want them, but injuries are inevitable. And even at the quarterback position, you know, I feel comfortable if Baker missed a game or two. Case Keenum is a more than capable backup. And, you know, I'm, I'm 45 years old. I can't remember a team in my lifetime that had this t- type of depth across the offensive line at running back, at receiver, tight end, quarterback. Defense is a different story. We, we've talked about that. We can get into it a little bit, you know, but but offensively on the offensive side of the ball. And we'll get into I want to get your impressions on on the roster uh but i i i can't remember a team with this type of depth playing in cleveland no um and obviously you got to have the frontline dudes right if you're going to make the team I mean the, the bucks didn't win the super bowl last year because they had good depth the bucks had good depth but they got tom brady right, right to throw to those right. those big freaks and he, and he brought gronk with them right um but yeah no listen they do have depth they do have coaching they're starting to build some continuity that they hadn't had yeah, uh, I mean, in the new era, right? This is year twenty-three. <laughs> um, 
you know, they've only knocked on the door a couple of times and it, and it didn't last. Well, this feels like the depth, as you mentioned, being a part of it, right? That, that they can make it last, that, that it is legit. Um, you know, something that stuck with me from, from watching Stefanski surprisingly play most of the starters um, in that preseason finale is you didn't see Garrett, you didn't see Clowney, you didn't see Ward, you didn't see Landry. You didn't see J.C. Treader. You haven't seen Odell at all, right? Like, if those guys were just the core of your team, you probably think your team could make the playoffs, right? Yeah. That Well, that doesn't list, like, the rest of the offensive line, top three in the league. Um, I didn't mention Nick Chubb in that group, right? But, like, Baker is clearly um, – has comfort and continuity for the first time in his career, is surrounded by really good receivers, Um you know, they brought in John Johnson to stabilize the defense and Anthony Weaver to stay – or Walker, I always say that. He, Weaver used to play for the Ravens <laughs> um, to stabilize the defense. I mean, you know, injuries are inevitable and, and bumps in the road and unforeseen things are are inevitable. It, it just seems like a lot of ways this team is built, as you mentioned. Hit. Now, one injury on the defensive line and things get really, really complicated, right? Um, Nick Chubb missing time is the only miss of four games last year. That that gets complicated, but I completely agree. Like I, I'm just really impressed with this roster in almost every aspect. Okay, let's get to the 53. Is there and and I am curious to hear this because you and I have really haven't talked on the podcast off the podcast at all since since the final roster. Is there what is the most surprising to you? I don't know that there is one that really. I think it went kind of chalk, kind of what you and I had been thinking up until. Is there anything that surprised you about what's transpired over the last couple of days? Yeah, I was surprised about Kadero Hodge um, because I thought they valued him as a special teamer, right? And people on Twitter were like, well, this team doesn't need a wide receiver six. And I completely agree. But I didn't think he was wide receiver six. I thought he was special team like two or three. Yeah. I thought he, you know, until we see anything from Anthony Schwartz, not to mention Beckham, I thought he was, you know, in line wide receiver four, right? So um, I understand he made a little bit of money. I understand it was just a one-year ten- tender and, and – Look, the Browns special teams weren't good. So, uh, you know, just because he was a top special teamer doesn't mean. But I, I just know from around the league, and he did get claimed right away uh, by Detroit, that, you know, Kadero Hodge is an NFL player. So the Browns have arrived at that point. Um, Colby Gossett was the Browns' sixth guard. He got claimed. Yeah. Sixth. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so yeah. Um, but, no, it, it – I said all along, like, I, I just can't see a shocking cut. And even in surprise cuts, you never know, right? You don't know who falls in the doghouse or what, how injuries affected it. But I, I think they were able to get to the point with Jacob Phillips is going to be out for most, if not all the year, but they wanted to leave the door open. You know, they had some, some questions, other questions at linebacker where you have some new guys that haven't played at all. And you have the old guy in Malcolm Smith who probably wouldn't have got claimed, but they were able to keep that group together. Um, they were ready to move on from Sheldrick Redwine. You know, that doesn't qualify as a surprise. They're able to keep 10 offensive linemen while they kind of figure out, um, you know, how ready James Hudson is or isn't and, and how medically ready Michael Dunn is or isn't. Um, yeah, it's it's a tribute to to the building of the team that, that they didn't, you know, have to make any panic moves and that they were, were able to say, okay, for whatever reason that they were done with Kadero Hodge, you know, they can point and say, we're good. We're good here. I think Demetric Felton um, is a part of that. You know, I think this Richard LeCount, this uh, other uh, third-day rookie, is going to play on all the special teams. Dearness Johnson's going to play on all the special teams. You know, um, 
they're so good that Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki, you know, are special teamers, not starters, right? So that's a pretty good luxury to have. I mean, Takitaki was a third round pick two years ago. Now, was he a great third round pick? Probably not. But I'm just saying that a lot of teams don't have that, right? So still have the kicking question, and that's a major question. And until the special teams units play better, um, that's stuff that can cost you a game. And specifically with the kicker thing, you know, it's like the defensive line to me, Jason. You can't be great everywhere, right? Even if you have the greatest GM in all the cap space and in all of these these players. But man, for a team that's good, the kicking game looms because, regardless of what happens in KC, right? Regardless of how bad the Ravens shot themselves in the foot by getting J.K. Dobbins hurt while performing malpractice in a preseason game, <laughs> like nobody thinks the Browns are running away with anything. The AFC, the division, whatever. And if you lose even a single game because your kicking situation's a mess or you you get into big games and you have to strategize based on not trusting your kicker, this is a problem. Cody Perky was a free agent. They chose to go with him. Then they got rid of him at the first available time. And right now, um, you know, 10 days, 11 days from the season as we record this, they have Chase McLaughlin, who's been on five teams in two years and got waived by the Jets in May, and that's why you got him. Uh, he's a career 78% guy. He's not really kicked on good teams. He's been everybody's emergency replacement. And this team, to me, has to be better than having an emergency guy at kicker. So I, I want to talk about McLaughlin, but I want to back up for a second. Why can't why couldn't they trade Hodge for a late second-day pick? Um, When teams know you're done with a guy, it's re- it becomes really hard, right? And um, – I have no doubt that Andrew Barry explored his options, both in trading guys and possibly trading for guys. But most times these trade eight times out of 10, no, nine times out of 10, it's in two categories. One, you really think a guy is a starter at guard or safety or outside linebacker, right? And that was the case with Wyatt Teller a couple of years ago. Or two, you're really good at a position and a bad team wants your young guy. And Hodge has been in the league for three years. Yeah. So, you know, I think really fast young receivers that got drafted in the fifth or sixth round this year or last year had appeal to the Lions and the Jaguars of the world, right? I don't think that Kaderil Hodge was going to bring you anything back um, of relevance. And the Browns didn't want him. Teams know that. So so the Lions claimed him, and, and they go forward. Okay, so let's get, get back to McLaughlin for a second because kickers to me are like golfers. And it's all the rhythm. It's all tempo. It's getting hot at the right time. Is there, am I making this up or is there, is, and I'm grabbing at straws here, but is there a guy who, who just sort of figures it out and gets hot at the right time? Because I got to tell you, it was one kick, but the fact that he hit the crossbar from 57, I thought, well, okay, Cody Parkey couldn't get it to the end zone from 57. So maybe we got something here. Yeah, um, there is something to be said for for um, you know having that big leg to start with, right? And I don't think that that was really considered an awful thing. I mean, I think it was considered great that they got a chance to try the fifty six yard right and, and do yeah. it. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know how to judge kickers, and frankly, you know, for the first fourteen years of my career covering this team, Phil Dawson was the kicker, and he was eighty six percent right. But one thing Phil said to me that has always stuck with me is. There was days he just didn't have it. 
right? And there were there were so much more that went into it than just coming up and booming the ball from reading the weather, which kind of was made famous by him being here for so long, right? To just to knowing certain kind of kicks. You know, what what is your kick? What is your preferred hash mark? Um, you know, do you get in your own head if you miss the previous one or if there is weather that day, or do you go out there and just blast it? So you know, that's on Mike Prefer and Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski to do this. Um, you know, maybe they trust Chase McLaughlin, right? Or maybe they're bringing in Michael Badgley or Nick Folk, and I'm just throwing those names out there because I don't know. But it's just like nobody watching the games felt comfortable with Car- Cody Parkey last year, right? And, and even though he only had those two bad games and made his kicks in the playoffs, his longest one all year was 46 yards. Like, it's, tw- it's 2021. You can't have that. Well, he was a free agent in the Browns road with him, right? And then they brought in this McLaughlin. So I guess that's my long-winded way of saying either they really do like McLaughlin and maybe I'm just full of crap thinking they'll even bring in somebody else, or maybe this is going to become an emergency situation, and that's that's a negative for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I want to talk about uh, Malik McDowell and what a remarkable story he's turning out to be. Uh, the f- it's really almost a free first-round pick, right? Like I mean, He was almost a first-round pick, high second-round pick of the Seahawks, never made it to a game, had... All of his off-field problems, I think, are, are becoming well-known now. The arrest, uh, the ATV accident, there's a DUI, and there, there's a lot in his past. So I was trying to reconcile in my head how this is different from Kareem Hunt, and I think it's different in a lot of ways. Uh, number one, obviously, Kareem was violence toward a woman. This is not anything like that. Kareem's turnaround back into the league was awfully fast. And McDowell went to prison for 11 months and served his time. And this is four years later. So when you talk about giving guys second chances, I think this is different in that McDowell truly has earned his second chance. I'm rooting for the guy. He had a good camp. He was moving bodies around and doing what you need a defensive tackle to do. 
just your impressions on McDowell's camp and the fact that he made this team and what kind of impact do you think he's going to have this year? Well, it is a great story, right? And he did, he is a guy that understood it was his last chance and to go do it. Um, he missed a lot of early camp. He, he, he wasn't in there for, with, with various minor issues that are probably related to getting back into football for the first time in many years, right? When he came out, though, in the preseason games, the strength and the size were obvious. And the size was always obvious. I mean, you know how it is when we walk in that media gate, Jason. Sometimes when you walk in and you don't know where practice is, some of the groups could be like the equivalent of two and a half football fields away, right? Well, when you looked in that back corner on the days that Clowney and Garrett weren't practicing, who did you notice? McDowell. Malik McDowell. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Um, and, and he did shove around the backup offensive lines of the Falcons and the Giants. So I think it's still an ongoing project. He's pl- not played against the ones. And frankly, a part of this is that the Andrew Billings signings looks like a bust, and there's no guarantee you're ever going to get anything from Elliott or Toyak. That being said, everybody's rooting for Malik McDowell. And there is enough natural ability there and, and athleticism in that humongous frame that he he's a guy that could make you different down the road. So, you know, is it going to be in week one? Almost certainly not. Is it going to be in the first month? I don't know. But, you know, assuming you keep him healthy, I mean, he is a guy that's not a rookie, right? And and not a typical um, signed on first week of May guy that makes your roster. But he is a guy that should be developing like one, right, assuming he he continues to be locked in and continues to be healthy. I mean, these practices are still going to matter to him. And every bit of experience, say it's six snaps in week two, should benefit him going down the road. So, you know, to me, it's a credit to the scouting staff who said, okay, this guy's out there. He's turned his life around. Let's do our due diligence. Um, and, and he can help us. And part of that is recognizing that maybe the other guys there aren't any good. <laughs> And um, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, it, to, when you look at, at the last 72 hours in terms of the last preseason game, going through the cuts, um, you know, going through who's going to be on the practice squad or what your next options are, that is the guy that, that jumps off the page as the story. And it's more than just a good story, which every team seems to have one or two, right, when roster cuts come every year. It's, man, potentially, and it's still potential, this guy could be really good. Yeah, and I mean, I've said this before. This is how the Ravens and the and the Steelers and the Patriots continue to recycle themselves and stay on top. It's it's finding guys like that and finding guys who may not contribute this year, but you have the luxury of carrying them on to fifty three, and and they help you next year or the year after when you have to move on from somebody who's more expensive. The Browns are showing the, I guess, the ingredients of being able to do that when you talk about Donovan Peoples Jones maybe being. Odell's replacement next year. Uh, I'm care. I don't know. I'm just. I'm fascinated to see where some of this goes, where some of these guys go, and kind of along those lines. I guess maybe a little bit. What What do you make of the of the Nick Mullins stuff? Is there anything to read into that? The fact that apparently he's coming here. I actually kind of like Laletta. Um, I, I, we're talking about the third quarterback. You talk about the weeds. We are in the weeds right now. But I just thought it was worth mentioning <laughs> yeah. for a milk for a moment. Uh, is there anything to to read into this other than just throwing a dart on a guy? No, I just think that they saw that, you know, Laletta did a great job for them in terms of coming in for what he was needed for last year as an emergency and then and then being the three guy that really only got reps in every other practice, right? But he doesn't have any arm. He, he does not have any arm. 
And the situation is that Case Keenum makes a lot of money and it was all guaranteed this year and Case Keenum is considered a valuable part of this team. But next year, when you're probably going to be up against the cap because you probably signed your quarterback and your cornerback and you had to make decisions on Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio and J.C. Treader and the list goes on and on and on, um, it's probably going to be time to move on from Case Keenum's $7 million. Right? So Nick Mullins, who has started um, and then failed and then was so awful in the preseason that he got cut by Philly. Um, there's a reason he's available, but I think it's just something you have to do as a personnel department to say we have to have a guy ready just in case because we're looking down the road and, and all signs point to this being Case Keenum's last season as the Browns backup. So then let's go back. Let's spend a second on the, on the rest, rest of the practice squad. Uh, I like Porter Gustin. Am I crazy? Like I thought he had a decent – camp decent preseason I guess I'm not terribly surprised he didn't make the team mildly maybe or, or am I way off on that and just the rest of the names no, that you I mean, see on the practice squad yeah no he was a guy that always ran with the first group um on the days that Clowney and Garrett didn't practice but I think that's mostly because he's been here he went all year last year and never made a play until that Steelers game um he's a nice story and it was a nice find by the Dorsey pro personnel group to get him halfway through his rookie year um but you know, he is a fourth or fifth defensive end, and that's what he is. So he can play special teams, and he's the kind of guy you want around um, because he's always going to bust his ass. But, you know, I think I probably had him making it just because I had them making four, and I thought he was ahead of Joe Jackson just based upon all the times that I saw Joe Jackson not be in the right place during training <laughs> camp, quite frankly. <laughs> Turns out neither one of them made it. But I think you bring Gustin back – you figure nobody else is going to claim right. it, right? And you bring him back, and then as you go through this next week and a half, you say, okay, when when, and if we need one, we can try to do better than him from a raw talent standpoint, but we want him around because if it comes to next Thursday, Friday, or even Sunday morning and we need a guy, we know exactly what he'll give us for 10 or 15 snaps. Is Odell playing against Kansas City? Yeah, all signs are yes. Um, they, they really are. And, you know, it's remarkable that since day one of camp, or since three days before camp, when we went out and saw Odell at his youth camp, that he has shown no signs. You know, obviously he was still on the plan. And even when that Kansas City game is played, that will be like 10 months to the day from the surgery. So even with all the medical advancements, right, in this surgery, um, he's he's still going through the rehab program. But, man, he looks good. So, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a 20-snap count. I don't know if he's going to be in there for four plays when they intend to get him the ball and whatever. But, you know, everything that's indicated from what we've seen and just from whispers I hear when I've asked that question, um, because publicly they're being very coy about it, understandably, is that, yes, that he he has been on a gradual ramp-up for the last 10 or 14 days, which was always part of the plan. Um, the, the gradual ramp up continues at today's practice and tomorrow's practice. And the next week, you know, assuming no complications and there have been no setbacks, um, again, never wearing the brace right while we're around all that stuff, um, that they expect to have him. And I'll, I'll say this too. I was talking with Robert Mays about this and I just noticed this from, from camp. Um, teams are going to try to take away the bootleg. And so a big part of this offense countering that always punching and counterpunching is going to be getting rid of it quickly to somebody that can make that first guy miss. And Odell for his entire career has caught three yard passes and turned them into long ones. And if he can do that, that's a dimension this offense 
maybe hasn't had, but certainly one that it's going to need. That's a great point. And, you know, we talked on this podcast after games last year about moments where, boy, just if they only had 13, this was one of those moments. Just just get them the ball. Just find a way to get them the ball and let them go make a play. And it's a way to also take some of the pressure off Baker trying to find him downfield. You know, that was for all of Freddie's flaws. That was the one thing that he tried to do is find creative ways to get the ball into Odell's hands quickly and just let him do the rest. Right. And what was it, that Jets game, right? The second game that year, that Monday nighter. Yep. Um, yep. Not sure we saw it much the rest of the way, right? But that was vintage Odell. It, it really was. Um, and you would love to see, obviously, a ton more of that. So, you know, not being a doctor, just thinking, you would think that it might be a while before we see the best Odell. Um, you look at the Browns group that they have, and everybody's healthy, specifically with – Felton getting to the point that he can give you a few snaps and Peoples-Jones taking the leap that it appears that he's taken, you don't need him. But, I mean, go back to the Dallas game last year, um, the Bengals game before that. Like, Stefanski was force-feeding him the ball, (laughs) right? Like, people talk about this like it's a negative, and I know he and Baker haven't always clicked, but, like, there's worse strategies than get the ball to the best player on the field and let him work, right? right? So, it does. the Browns are so good. And now to a point in their offense where they don't have to live and die by that like they did during the Freddie year, right? But, like, there's times when they're just going to need somebody to make a play. And Odell, even at 85 90%, has proven he can do that. So, um, you know, you take all that into the fact that Odell and Jarvis make more money than anybody on the team. Odell has no guarantees after this year. Jarvis has few guarantees. Higgins is on a one-year deal. Hodge is no longer on the team. Anthony Schwartz has shown you, shown you zero so far. Yeah. Like, there's a lot at stake, present and future here, yeah. right? You're about to invest an unprecedented amount in your quarterback. And outside of Peoples Jones, who's he going to throw to going forward? Right. You know, I don't think Jarvis is going anywhere, but Jarvis also isn't getting any younger. Right. Um, there's a lot at stake here for Odell and for the Browns um, it, this, this season. There really is. And it, like I said, it doesn't have to be week one, um, it doesn't have to be in September and October. But you would love to see the gradual build up and see it start to click because then you could really think about what it might look like down the road. So that leads exactly where I wanted to go. And Well, first of all, 10 months in an ACL recovery seems remarkable. I, I remember, I mean, back in the day, it was 12, 14, 16-month recoveries for, for NFL players. I can't think – you would know better than I. I can't think of anyone who came back that fast, 10 months, less than a year. Is that sort of common now? Am I am I misunderstanding this, or is this really as well, remarkable as I think it is? I think it's more common. I mean, I think Joe Burrow is, is going to do it this year, right? Um, I think guys have done it. I think NBA guys have done it recently at, at the nine-and-a-half, ten-month mark, right? Um, but, yeah, I don't think it's common, uh, or at, at least it was. I, I, I guess – I'm trying to say it's becoming more becoming common. More common. Okay. So, um, so when when you talk about expanding to 17 games, and we've talked about, you know, is there is there a snap count on Odell? Is there a snap count on Jadavian Clowney? With adding this extra game this year, and it's funny because I was just having this conversation earlier today. Do you think I, – I don't think because 17 games still feels like a sprint and there's not a lot of room for error, and even if they add an 18th game, this is not 82 games of the NBA and 162 games of baseball, but are we going to get to the point of trying to protect guys and and 
I won't go so far as to say load management, but you know where I'm going with this, especially early in the season and guys coming off of injuries. Are we going to see situations with guys in bubble wrap maybe more than we have been in the past with the NFL? That's a heck of a question. Uh, I think that's why you saw a bubble wrap camp from Kevin Stefanski. They got the calendar and it said your bye weeks, not till December 10th. Yeah, right? that's a great point. Um, that's a great point. <laughs> You know, I've, I've discussed this with people at camp. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt wants to play 80 snaps every game, yep. and he doesn't want to make anyone miss. He wants to run people <laughs> yes. over, right? But, like, with him and Chubb, Jason, if it's week five and one of them has an ankle, they want to play, and they want to play the full load. But if you're the Browns and one of them's got a tender ankle, don't you say, hey, um, we're, we're playing for December and January here. Like, why don't we just sit this one out? And doesn't it seem like keeping Dearness Johnson and Demetric Felton, even though those two are clearly two of the best 53 players on the team, right? Doesn't it seem like things point to that? Yeah. Now, they don't have that insurance at defensive end. I mean, they think Tech's going to be there and Tech's going to help. Tech has a very specific role, and that's 15 to 25 games as a pass rusher. Tech is not going to be a defensive end that's going to play 40 snaps a game for you, right? He's not going to be Clowney, who you can say, okay, on some days or some plays we're going to move Clowney inside. Um, for whole series, we're going to flip Clowney and Garrett to wear guys out and make the defense, uh, you know, make the offense guess about where they're going to be. I mean, Tack's role is to get off the edge and get to the quarterback. And if the Browns score a bunch of points and are winning, he can he can help that. Yep. There's no doubt. Um, you, you just teams don't have the luxury of this depth, and even the good ones like the Browns, as I was just saying, don't have it at every position. So, do I think that will come into play? Yes, but are you really going to be able to hold these guys out? If it comes to that, that that's another story. And, you know, the NFL is not a league where you go light, right? You you have to be at full speed and you have to be in the right frame of mind or else it's really dangerous out there. And that, that goes for the first preseason game. That goes for a week five or six game that the Browns might not see as important in the big picture. And that certainly goes for later in the year when you want to have your guys. And as we've seen time and again, you know, you got to have the talent. Right, and you got to have the coaching. But if you have those things, and you have a little bit of luck, and you get good at the right time, and you have your guys left in December and January, you can make a run. I mean, as I've said a hundred times, on Thanksgiving last year, when the Browns' pass offense just started to get good, the Bucks would not have been in the playoffs if the if they started on Thanksgiving weekend. The Bucks won the Super Bowl, so it's a long, long season, and we've added another week this year. Man, yeah, you you have said that before, but that I mean. Because it feels like the NFL is a sprint. It feels like every game matters and you can't drop one game or you're out of the playoff race. Like that, that's just how it feels to me that, you know, you live and die on every win feels like, okay, there's a playoff team and every loss feels like the world is ending. No, and, and it does feel like that. Um, but that's Browns not fans the reality. Waited so long. But, that, but that's really not the reality. <laughs> it's really not. No. Um, you know, internally, you have to trust that your guys, your your coach, your coordinators, your coaches, and your top personnel executives can evaluate your team with a level head, right? I mean, I think a part of this team is going to be trading for defensive reinforcements at the deadline. I, I think they, they probably regret that they didn't last year, right? Um, you know, and, and that's before you know how, how any of this is going to go. I mean, sitting here 10, 11 days from the opener – Taki Taki's probably going to be back. I don't know about Greedy. They feel good about Higgins being back. Tech's been back for going on two weeks. They rested Clowney and Garrett and Chubb and Ward the exact way that they wanted to. Like, 
coaches are always going to sweat the availability of guys, but in terms of having 48 healthy and available ones for 10 days from now for the game, there's like one or two questions, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, kicker's one of them. But like, the, you know, the Browns are not uh, – Jacob Phillips has a significant loss, right? Um, they wanted to keep Michael Dunn because they think it's somewhere along the way Michael Dunn's going to help them win a game. But for game one, he's not a starter. Right. Right? Like, they have all their guys. So it's just a – a lot of teams don't have this, and sometimes it carries over. It snowballs with this availability thing. I mean, it's a fancy ran the kind of camp that they were going to keep guys fresh and ready, and they are 96% fresh and ready. Um, to go into a buzzsaw, but you know it's almost a nothing to lose game. You talked about speaking of evaluation and and everybody losing their mind. Um, I think, frankly, they would get more out of it if it was in week six or week eight because chances are the AFC does go back through Arrowhead at some point. But man, you go in and you let it fly. You see where you stand, and you come regroup and you play two home games against teams you should beat. The Browns are two touchdown favorites in week two. They're a touchdown favorite in week three against the Bears. Probably going to be facing a rookie quarterback that day. And so you go let it fly in Kansas City and know that, you know, barring some really strange bounces, that you could be 2-1 and one with your whole season ahead of you uh, going to October. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I guess you maybe you just answered it, just what's the importance of week one? It sounds important. It feels important. And, you know, a number of people have said home field advantage could be on, on the line. And that's hard to hear when it's week one, when it's the first game out and you're already talking about home field advantages at stake. It's silly to say. I, I mean, it's in the big picture, it's not. But, like, what's really at stake in next week's game? I mean, the Browns got their doors blown off against the Ravens in week one last year, and it had yes. zero relevance on the rest of the year. Exactly. They they were in no way, shape, or form prepared to play that game, right? Everyone knew it. They got beat 38-7. to It could have been 77-7. to <laughs> And they went on and had the best season they've had in 30 years. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. If you get a road game out of the way. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, look, look, I'll, I'll say this. If things go poorly next week, and, and I think Stephanie is going to have them ready, so I don't know. If things go poorly this week, and you still finish 14-3 and three and you lose the one seed because of that tiebreaker, will you be sick about it? Sure. Will you still think things are pretty good? <laughs> right? And will you be able to say 18, 20 weeks later, we feel pretty good about our chances going back to Kansas City in the AFC Championship game? I think anybody listening would sign up for that, including if they're listening inside the walls of Berea. Yeah, if you're if you're fourteen and three, you're playing a lot of home football playoff games until that last one. Correct. So you you would take that every time. No doubt about it. Zero doubt about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, I'm trying to think, you know, it's, like I said, I, I do expect them to add a kicker, at least on the practice squad for some sort of competition. You know, you already mentioned Mullins. He's officially on the practice squad. I mean, I, I think with COVID issues still lingering, even though your team is 90 some percent vaccinated, I think it's smart business to keep an emergency quarterback and kicker just in case. Right. Um, you know, continue to evaluate the waiver wire, 
um, working out outside for ages, which is standard business for any team. But like, like I said, the Browns weren't out there on the waiver wire in the trade market looking for a starter or saying we have a potential emergency injury situation at any given position. They were saying, okay, we got some young guys that we want to protect. They were clearly ready to move on from Hodge, and they did it. And that allowed them to keep the guys that they wanted to keep. And and like I said, I mean, you know, you're going in fresh. So I worry about Malik Jackson being 31. I worry about Clowney's injury history. Tag disappeared from camp for a month. You know, Andrew Billings is not in shape. Like, I worry about that being a problem area. You know, I worry about Anthony Walker getting exposed in pass coverage. You always worry about Denzel Ward. Like, you can say all these things, but the flip side is the Browns are really talented. And on the days that Clowney and Garrett play together and they have a lead and can let them loose, they could really feast on opposing quarterbacks, really could, and that defense could take a big leap. Um, I, I, I'm i not ready to say that's going to happen, Jason, but it's certainly – um, much easier to envision than it was a year ago, right? Yeah, and I've shared the same concerns. I think with the front seven, they're one bad injury away from 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 really having some some problems. But you know, I'm really curious to see John Johnson and Ronnie Harrison play together in the secondary. I think Greg Newsom uh, and Denzel Ward, if he's on the field and healthy, which is a huge if. I, can we assume that Denzel's going to be out there week one? Yes. Yeah. He's he's ready to go. He's ready to go. They they guided him through. Um, August wasn't for him. Doesn't need to be for him. He, if he's even limited next week when they first have to do an official injury report, I'll be surprised. Okay, it just feels like boy, if he's not one hundred percent, he's not out there. I, I I don't know what it is with him. I don't know if I, I I don't know. I I've heard some lingering frustrations. It sounds like from inside the Browns that he's if he's not one hundred percent, he's not available, and you've got to be available uh, in in this league. And speaking of availability, I don't know, kind of off the Browns, but this just popped into my head, and I wanted to ask you about this. Number one, what did you think of Urban Meyer's comments and the to-do that it's made? And number two, kind of along those lines, do you think Cam Newton's career is over? I think an injury will open the door for Cam to to return. Uh, Although I don't think it's out of the question because it seems like the last two years the Patriots were the only team interested, right? Yeah. Um, What I think of Urban – is that Urban has always been a football genius who's been a little clunky with the way he's publicly delivered some messages or handled things outside of just getting his guys ready to play those godforsaken four to six seconds right, <laughs> that he always talks about. <laughs> um, the thing here is he's not wrong and he's only telling the truth. Exactly. He's getting lambasted for exactly. it. Exactly. In the past, a lot of times the, the truth has not been his friend or what's come out of his mouth is probably more accurate. So I've said all along, um, and frankly, I've said this to people that have worked in the league for a long time and that know the Jaguars inside and out. You know, this thing is volatile with Urban. Everything about his track record and the way he's done things says that this is going to be awkward. And he did that from the very start when they first announced their uh, coaching staff, right? And he had that that controversial strength coach because Urban just does things. Nobody's ever, ever uh, no one is ever able to tell Urban you should think twice about this. Yeah. Right. And so now. At Ohio State, he used to have to do like one and a half press conferences a week. Well, now he has to talk three or four times, and he's talking about current life events that are happening outside of that realm of four to six seconds at a time of playing football. And we're not done with this stuff. So um, it's fascinating to watch from afar, and I'm glad that uh, I cover Kevin Stefanski and not Urban Meyer. There's a, there, there's a few players that I think 
we could tell on the Browns that, that we're not vaccinated just by, by who was wearing masks off to the side and, and whatever else. But it doesn't feel like this. It feels like the Browns are okay as far as vaccination rates and as far as who's vaccinated and who's not. Am I making, am I starting to make some assumptions that I shouldn't? Or do you agree with that? No, I think they're in good shape uh, with, with that. Uh, to me, the only guy that really came out and said I'm not getting it is John Johnson. So, um, you know, it's an area, Jason, that I would only report in terms of if a guy flat out said right. I am or I'm not. Right. Um, you know, that's they don't have to wear masks at the walkthroughs anymore, so we're not getting the clues per se, but – um, when Andrew Barry comes out and says 90% of our guys are are either vaxxed or in the process of it, and that was four and a half weeks ago, and you you just hear the other guys talk about it and see how they've operated through camp, which we don't have full access to camp like we used to, but we still had really good access this year. Um, I think they're in good shape with that. Now, the problem is someone who is vaxxed can get it, as we've seen, and anybody who's not vaxxed can be victim of contact tracing and be, be held out right, for five days. Right. So that can screw you from games. Um, and if you do get it and you're not vaxxed 10 days, which we saw with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa miss his first 10 days at camp. Um, but, you know, is he vaxxed now? I, I don't know. I just know when Andrew Berry says over 90%, and that was four and a half weeks ago, and guys have now been in the building, and they know they're subject to surveillance, they know they're subject to frankly, a different set of rules in their day-to-day football business. If they are or if they aren't, uh, I would think more guys than not would get it to say, hey, I have to have my sanity. I have to be a part of this team. And the rules have made it so it makes me very hard, makes it very hard to be a part of this team if I'm not. Yeah. Well, we've already talked a lot about that. I have my own thoughts on that, but I'm, we've already discussed them and I'll keep them to myself. Wrap, up, wrap us up and get us out of here because we have plenty more time to talk about the Chiefs before we actually yeah. get to the Chiefs. Yeah, so um, as part of this deal with cutdowns being moved up and, and the Players Association and the union doing all these things, um, you know, and still dealing with the pandemic, it's mandatory days off. So Labor Day is usually a busy working weekend in the NFL. It's not. The Browns do not practice Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Vaxxed players are allowed to leave town. Unvaxxed players are not. Um, the Browns will get back to work on Monday, and then they will start their real schedule, which means the mandatory players day off is Tuesday. Uh, the practices that you know about that are surrounded by formal media availabilities and formal injury reports and things being released and following the NFL's rules start next Wednesday. That is exactly a week from the time that we are recording this. The Browns will be f- wrapping up their first real Wednesday practice of the season. So that's um, kind of three free practices. And then really in that week, you'll get one actual practice where even if you're not in full pads, you're going to go almost a full two hours and make sure you're getting a sweat and you're ready to go. Then you go back to your hour and 20 minute, um, you know, stressing preparation, keeping everybody healthy, knowing who your active 48 are going to be, who you're going to call up from the practice squad, you know, COVID willing and all of those things. Uh, on September 11th, the Browns will get on a plane, and on September 12th, they'll play at Arrowhead. And the place will be absolutely rocking, and people will be glued, and um, the season will be on. So it's here. Uh, we will, starting at some point next week, because of the holiday, it's not a full week. We will have at least one, maybe two podcasts. We'll get in the groove of having um, someone who covers the opponents on to talk about it. We'll be talking, we'll be doing our reactions after the game, mixing in different things. So subscribe to The Athletic. Subscribe to Civilized Barking, download, save, share, all of those things. We appreciate you reading. We appreciate you listening. 
We'll talk to you soon, as in next week, when it's really football season.